I'm Roger Rosenblatt, and this is Word for Word. Just a song at twilight. You're born, they coo and sing to you and hold you up to the light like a watermark. You learn things or you don't. People congratulate you or they don't. You succeed or you fail, or you fail and then succeed, or succeed and then fall on your face. You take pleasure in Shakespeare, Vermeer, Rachmaninoff, Ella, Thelonious Monk. Then they all bore you, except Monk. You win many prizes, you win no prizes, you fall in love or you don't, but eventually you do, and that person is the one for you, or not. Someone else is the one for you. You live alone. You conclude that everyone lives alone and call that philosophy. You no longer believe in God, but then something happens and you believe, but then something else happens and you don't. You develop a surprising late-life interest in the Song Dynasty or in geology or in the Sex Pistols or in harness racing. You age and weaken. Your eyesight turns bleary, your hearing creative. You grow bitter or serene or something of each. You die or not, or both. After I finished a reading recently, a young couple approached the lectern. We thought you were dead, they said. I nodded enigmatically because they were half right. Old writers exist in a kind of gloaming, and it grows increasingly difficult to tell if we are dead or alive. My so-called vital signs would suggest that I walk among the living. Walk is an exaggeration, since even on my more sprightly days I urge my legs forward like Boris Karloff in The Mummy. But there is just as much evidence that I passed away several years ago. My world of reference is dead, see Boris Karloff reference. My friend's world of reference is dead. In our exchanges, verbal and written, we regularly resurrect superannuated names and events such as Judge Crater and Oh, the Humanity. The books I favor are by dead people. The singers I like are long dead, including those who covered songs originally sung by those who are also dead, as are the writers of the songs. To be sure, I am not provably dead, just nearly departed. Yet the realm of the living recedes farther and farther from my view, and the world becomes an alien planet. The papers or TV tells me that a celebrity couple is breaking up and that their split is a cause of tragic weeping to everyone. I know not her name or his, or that they are married or why they are celebrities. A new movie stars this person and that, and the trailer tells me I loved them both in previous movies. I never heard of the previous movies or of the stars. I can identify nearly nothing in a recent headline encrypted in People magazine. Kylie Jenner's overdrawn lips inspired Honey Boo Boo when she did Mama June's pageant makeup. I do not even know if I know people I know. I received a note from a friend who asked, Have I met the poet Marilyn Hacker? I wrote back, I don't know. I was happy enough to recognize the name of my friend. Writers traffic in dead things, so this in-between state of being does not arrive with a shock. It is our business to bring characters, images, and memories to life from the frozen sea within us, dead Kafka reference. This is true of our work at any age. But the older we get, the more we are aware that our word supply is dwindling. The theme and subject supply as well. When we have said all that we have to say, hurry up, please, it's time. Dead T.S. Eliot reference. Until then, we straddle the realms. Others have done this, so it's not really a big deal. 
Charon, the ferryman of Hades, transported the souls of the newly deceased across the river Styx and Acheron. Persephone, daughter of Zeus, was abducted to the underworld, where she adopted the yearly schedule of spending four months among the dead and eight months among the living. Ghosts, who seem to be gaining prominence in modern literature, have always had it both ways. Technically dead, they do their scaring and consoling above ground. And, of course, Jesus is said to have died into the life of the world. I do not presume to speak for other writers my age, but for me everything that was once adventurous and exciting about the work begins to vanish like a gambler's lucky streak, dead Irving Berlin reference. I have no interest in fame. I had a taste of fame when I was young, and it only made me uncomfortable and wary of myself. Never much taken with the life of getting and spending, dead Wordsworth reference. I am even less so now, having acquired most of the things I ever wanted, both to my benefit and regret. I have no ambitions other than maintaining the safety and well-being of my family, my friends, and my dog. I have no interest in travel. When I was a journalist, I sometimes wrote of wars in Northern Ireland, Beirut, Cambodia, Sudan, Rwanda, and elsewhere, where the mad cruelty and sadness of people would temper anyone's curiosity about faraway places. Not only do I never travel, I rarely move, unless you count as motion the rising out of and settling back into my very easy chair. One day, I imagine, I'll disintegrate completely in my chair, my parts absorbed by the leather. My great-grandchildren will bound into the house yelling, Let's all sit in bapo. Passions have cooled, grudges retain a low flame, but the heat is gone from white to pearl gray. Self-recriminations, on the other hand, never die or fade away, dead General MacArthur reference. So impressive is the stamina of the self-tormenting human conscience that the wrongs one does in a lifetime are more vivid in old age than when they originally occurred. No number of good works outweighs them in the balance. Maybe our sins constitute the true living dead, zombies on a loop. Before boarding Karen's ferry, writers tend to look back to see what we have done in our writing. An advantage of published work is proof that one existed, and to determine what, if anything, we bequeath to people, such as the young couple at my reading who thought me dead. All those pages we've turned out, the slag hills of debris, what do they come to? C. Day Lewis said, What old men dream is pure restatement of the original theme. That's true, I think. Every writer tells just one story told over and over that moves among the various forms of telling and to which we return in a dogged effort to understand it. As for the bequest, what writers leave the world is love, love at last sight. Try as we may to walk out the door giving the world the bird and one lusty fuck you. The nature of what we do inevitably civilizes us. Of all the arts, writing is the most expansive, and the wider one goes with one's feelings and thoughts, the more one appreciates the underlying nobility of the race and tacitly forgives the world we probe and eviscerate. Our parting shot is love, that old Celtic tune, just a song at twilight. It laments our weariness and sorrow, yet ends with love's old sweet song. Love's old sweet song.